0: Welcome back to Elder Law Issues. This is Robert Fleming, a partner at Fleming and Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm at www.elder-law.com. I'm sitting here with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, my partner and compatriot, and uh, and we would talk we'd like to talk to you today about trust trustee limitations. What do we mean by that, Elizabeth?
1: Well, sometimes I work on an estate plan for a client who really wants to restrict the trustee's authority, who may want to require the trustee to work with a particular financial advisor um, or custodian, bank. Um, A lot of times people... They really have a circle of support, including their financial advisor and possibly their CPA. And they want to try and do whatever they can to have their trustee continue to work with that circle of support once the person who creates the trust is no longer able to.
0: And uh, to add to that list, often they want to require that a particular accountant continue to be the accountant for the trust or uh, a particular broker be the broker who manages the money. The only one that we wholeheartedly endorse is that you it's okay to say uh, you must use the law firm of Fleming and in, for for the rest of time, right? That's an all right limitation.
1: Well, I'd caution you against that too, because (laughs) although we'd like to help uh, whoever is going to administer your estate, we'd like to help that person administer it. What's more important to us is that we help you create an estate plan that we know can be successfully administered. And we don't really want to have anybody binding the trustee or making requirements of the personal representative unless there's a really good reason to do that. What we find is, is that when... We're working with trustees and personal representatives to administer, whether it's a probate or a trust administration, and the trustee is really bound by very specific terms. The administration can become quite a bit more burdensome and expensive because the trustee doesn't have the kind of flexibility and discretion that he or she might normally have.
0: Uh, You know, there are a couple of fairly famous trust interpretation cases where trust documents from 50, 70, 80 years ago directed that the investing of the of the trust assets had to continue in the way that, it, that the settler of the trust had done for years. And the settler had done very well, uh, had made a lot of money in the couple of cases that I'm thinking of uh, in, in particular industries that were important industries one was a technology case one was a was a uh, journalism case and um, and they had done very well and they wanted to make sure that their children were constrained to have investments in the same industry and the problems in those cases were that the the world shifted that that those investments turned out to be really really bad investments and the families lost a ton of money and i think of that every time a client says Oh, I really think that there's a lot of money to be made in second mortgages on real estate, for instance. That's a common one I hear. So I want to require the trustee to continue to invest in second mortgages. Well, that might have done very well for you, and you can see why it works very well now. But it's pretty hard, as Yogi Berra said, to predict the future. You know, Predictions are hard, especially about the future. Uh, and, uh, and and we just don't know whether that style of investing will make sense, or whether that firm will be uh, as skilled in the future as they are today.
1: One of the things that we talk to people about, sometimes they've inherited stock, maybe something like Exxon stock, that's been going gangbusters for years, and they really want to continue to pass along this particular stock to their further generations down the road. These are things that can really be problematic for trustees. We want the trustee who's administering your trust to be able to make prudent decisions as it relates to the investment of the trust assets. And sometimes that means some diversification. I think one of the points I'd like to make, Robert, is when we start to see people who want to create really strong limitations on their trustee and who really want to control administrative decisions from the grave, I tell you, that can really be difficult to do. And so we might try and craft the best language around maintaining a particular security in your stock portfolio or continuing to use that particular accounting firm. But, you know, even if we create language that we think is perfect and workable today... The reality is, is that it may not be down the road. So when I caution somebody about making really restrictive provisions, part of it is because I don't know how that's gonna work out in the administration. Could actually create some hiccups.
0: One of the things that a trustee is expected to do today is to adhere to what's called modern portfolio theory in development of the investment strategy for a trust. Modern portfolio theory is called that because it's fairly modern. It's only been around for about 50 years. So if your great-grandfather had set up a trust in 1930, having just lived through the beginning of the Depression, and said, oh, the trustee can only invest in super-safe investments like uh, like utilities and bank stock, uh, and, and that was written into the trust document, that would be a terrible mistake today to, to restrict to just one or two categories of investment and and to, uh, to assume that the security of utilities from the 30s carries forward into 100 years later. So please be very careful about restricting your trustee. The same thing with people. If you say, I've done very well with this broker, I've been with her for 20 years, And I want the trustee to be required to use that same broker. Well, if you've been with her for 20 years, that must mean she's in her 50s or 60s. She might not keep doing this forever, just as we might not keep doing our uh, legal work forever. Uh, Maybe she has a, a, a plan for succession, but you just bought into that plan without even knowing what it is. Um, we'll tell you what our plan is, but we won't write a trust document that says you have to come back to Fleming and Curdy. And we'd rather not write one that says you have to stay with a particular stockbroker or a particular investment style or a particular accountant.
1: Right, Robert. Our goal is to make sure that we can help effectuate our client's intent, but do so in a way that really makes sense for administrative purposes. And as a young 36 year old who is excited to be leading the charge with Fleming and Curdy as we move into the next few decades, I will say that my goal today is to create a document that tomorrow, if somebody's son or daughter comes to me and asks a question about, I can really try and make sure that it's workable and that the terms make sense. I'd also say if you are somebody who wants to create some real restrictions on the personal representative of your estate, the executor, the trustee, whoever it's going to be that's going to be working on your estate when you've died, why are you doing that? Is there a concern that you have about that person and their ability to follow through with the plan or manage money? If you have some concerns about who you're nominating to administer your estate and you're trying to create a scenario where the person will have guidance because you don't believe he or she is really up to the task, that's pretty important to talk to us about. We wanna make sure that we're getting you a plan that's going to be workable with a fiduciary who's going to be a good fit. Um, and so those conversations, Robert, they can be pretty wide ranging and, and we want to be respectful of your preferences. We also want to make sure that what we're drafting for you is going to be workable.
0: At the end of that interview, if you insist, no, no, I want to make sure that the trustee can only invest in second mortgages using the illustration I have from before. We'll do it, but we want a chance to tell you why it's a mistake and, uh, and why you ought to to allow more um, more generalized investing decisions to be made or uh, allow the trustee to select the professionals to work with in a changing environment. But we're happy to talk about it. We're happy to talk about almost anything in our estate planning interviews. We pride ourselves on having a wide ranging conversation, trying to get at your wishes and and your needs before before we draft the document. That's what we do at Fleming and Curdy PLC, a Tucson elder law firm. You can read more about us at elder-law.com. I'm Robert Fleming, and my guest co-host, co-conspirator, I'm not quite sure what to call you, is Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. Oh, how about partner? That works. (laughs) Join us next time. Thanks.